I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency, the weekly podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and this week we are discussing Europe, the euro, European political risk, Marine Le Pen, the ECB, economic growth, in other words, all things European. My guest is Max Kettner, cross-asset strategist at Commerce Bank. Max, we are recording this podcast about less than an hour after Mario Draghi finished his press conference to announce that the ECB was surprise, surprise, keeping rates on hold. Look, I'm going to give you permission to talk if you want about the Fed and the dollar at a later stage. But let's just start with Draghi and the ECB. Did you learn anything surprising from him? I think not particularly surprising. I think there's a sense of a bit more dovishness than the market had expected, particularly with the revisions to GDP and inflation forecasts for 2019. I think there were some people out there in the market who were expecting that GDP would be forecast or would be revised upwards more for 2019 and that inflation would be basically also be revised upwards for 2019. But effectively what we've seen, we've only seen a very minor tweak for 2018 inflation forecast. And yes. We've seen unchanged for 2019. That was the dovish stuff. That's, was, was that was it? probably the dovish stuff. Another dovish element was, okay, the, the reduction of sense of urgency from, from Draghi. Oh, I thought that was more hawkish than dovish. Yes, that was so what we saw there was basically that Draghi was trying to stress on the one hand, okay, you know what, we don't yeah. have to do TLTROs anymore, so yeah. putting away that sense Cheap of urgency. Are over. Yeah. yeah. But then in the Q&A, he also said, well, if needed, we can still do it. Okay. So in my mind it was sort of a, okay, there's a bit more dovishness, but in effect Draghi was trying to sound as balanced as possible. But okay. again, the market was taking it as a bit more dovish. So consistent Draghi therefore. Yep. But he's speaking in the context of a very, very strong Eurozone economy. Or is it very, very strong? I mean, how strong do you reckon it is? I think that's the very, very big question, right? When we look at the first quarter, particularly probably the German economy will fare very, very well. We had orders, we had industrial production, which all points to growth of around around 0.75% quarter of a quarter in the first quarter of this year. So it looks fine. It look, I think the Eurozone economy looks fine for this year. But again, I think that's sort of a sense of a very balanced outlook for this year and also for next year. Yes, when we do look at, at consensus expectations, we see they've been revised upwards slightly for 2017 growth. But that doesn't mean you have to be overly, overly optimistic. Look at 2018 consensus expectations. They've basically been unchanged since yes. last summer. Fair enough. But in the broader context, yep. growth is good. Growth is fine. Inflation, inflation is getting stronger. Current account surplus is at record highs. Un, unemployment, eight-year low. Uh, normally, we would see in these circumstances quite a strong currency move. But the euro is clearly becalmed by this whole impact of European political risk. I mean, do you get this sense that, that investors are really would invest in the euro but for this, this issue of Marine Le Pen? Well, of course, there's two aspects there. The first aspect, of course, is that what you just mentioned, political risk. When we look at, for example, implied vols of euro crosses, yeah. so euro dollar, euro sterling, and yeah, so yeah. on, and we compare them relative to the implied vols of non-euro crosses, you see how those have been soaring for weeks and weeks 
just when Le Pen was getting, you know, polls for Le Pen uh, were getting more supportive. Now, the last couple of days, that has actually been retreating. So the implied roles of Euro crosses relative to the non-Euro crosses, they've been retreating again, which basically tells you, yes, there appear to be some people out there that are saying, okay, if there was no political risk or if there's less of a risk of Le Pen winning, then I am actually willing to, you know, to buy euros again. That's quite a long way short of a strong euro rally. I suppose the way to look at this is if we can look beyond the French elections and the polls, and I grant you polls, are, are people are very sensitive <laughs> about polls these days, but if the polls were to be correct and Le Pen loses, we could see a pretty strong rally in the euro in this second half of the year. Well, in, in a sense, I think the outlook for euro dollar, at least in my view, is quite balanced again. I know probably balanced is, is very much a word that doesn't get everyone very excited. It's sitting on the fence, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so in effect, what you see is, of course, we do have then French elections out of the way. Let's assume Le Pen doesn't win. What we then have, we might face Italian elections. Yeah. We then have Article 50 triggered. Uh, how does that pan out with the uh, news from today that you know some of the European legislators are actually also not really willing to give any consent to the to the UK government? Right. Um, no, we have surprise German, there. no surprise yeah. there. We then have German elections. So it's not really something you know when the French elections are over, everything's over, and let's just all buy into euros. That's, I think, a bit too far-fetched. I mean, I think the, the broad point is that, actually, political risk, if we thought it was a 2016 thing, and then we thought it was a 2017 thing, yeah. actually, it's just the, the foreseeable future. Yes, yes that's, that's I think, absolutely the point. So I think, in terms of, let's say, global political risk, it's not only about what happens in 2017. It's let alone only what happens in Dutch elections or in French elections. It is something that will accompanize the coming years, right? Mm. So it is something that we will constantly have to ask ourselves, what do extremist left or, or right-wing uh, forces, what are they going to, okay. or how are they going to affect markets? Well, let me bring you back to Draghi and yeah. ask you the, the big question which everybody's asking yeah. is, when is tapering going to happen? Mm. I mean, he did actually mention this, this issue of political risk as a potential threat to Eurozone recovery. Does that influence your thinking about ECB tapering? Um, I think when I look at our internal analysis, what our rate strategists also said was that basically the ECB has bought itself a bit of time, right? Mm. A few months of time with buying one to two years buns so basically in the old regime you would have run out of buns to buy and finished to buy roundabout at the by, by summer 2017 or end of 2017 now it's around about spring 2018 so we're still very much looking for september october as the taper moment as, as the taper you know the taper announcement and yes. then from then on tapering Okay, and and even though political risk might still be, as you say, in, yep. in play, I mean, you, know, yes. you, you think that Draghi can park political risk elsewhere and just focus on the pure fundamental needs for ta to taper? Well, I, th I think we have to segregate that here because effectively they have no other choice than to taper. It's a legal requirement, and I think when we look at Draghi's remarks of the last couple of weeks and months, that really truly is a limit, a truly a legal limit that they have to respect, that even the ECB had said, you know, we cannot stretch that. Okay. So we have to segregate that in a way from saying, okay, even though we have political risk, can we still taper? Well, they sort of have to, they are forced to. On the other hand, they then, of course, then we're getting into a new discussion about what will they replace it with? Will there be any buffers? Will there still be, despite today's remarks, will there be new TLTROs or will there be new tenders? Those sort okay. of conversations I think we'll have. Okay. And 
here's your chance to talk about the dollar and the Fed. You mentioned the balanced uh, issue with the euro, and clearly on the US side, on the dollar side, it can get very, very strong, and we could well be seeing a, a what a faster pace of what is almost a racing certainty of, of the start of Fed hikes again in 2017 next week. Well, what we see right now is basically that the timing of the, mar- or the market pricing, the timing of Fed hikes has been front-loaded too much, but the amount or the pace of hiking is basically unchanged. So we're still looking for around two and a half rate hikes in terms of market pricing so far for 2017. I think what's the big, big challenge and what would be the big change in terms of market pricing is that if the Fed was to signal any sort of mechanical moving of interest rates, yeah. i.e. If they, would say, if they said, we're going to move once per quarter. Yes. So if they sort of get rid of their data-dependent stance and replace that with a more mechanical stance. That's what the Fed used to do years ago, is it? Yes. And that, in effect, that would require a huge, huge repricing by the market. So that, I think, is the thing to look out for. Not so much whether it's two or three times a year. That, I think, doesn't really play that much of a role. It's more the time or more the question about will it be more mechanical or not. Okay. My thanks to Max Kettner of Commerce Bank. We have just touched upon the US and the Fed. That's going to be what we're going to focus entirely next week's hard currency on with the Fed meeting and how it impacts on the dollar and other currencies. Join us for that. Goodbye. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.